0: This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. This is your host Ezra,
1: and your co-host
0: Jade. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It's equal, equal footing. Um, okay. Do you feel better by the intro?
1: I don't know. It kind of sucks still, but I'll I, don't work it. I, don't I don't know. It's just an intro. I've
0: been I've been paying attention to people's intros, right? And they uh-huh. usually have like music or they have something that brings them in with a lot of energy. We don't have that, so I feel like it's on. Mary Attic is barking. will yeah, be our Attica's- intro, but. It's just like, I feel like, for intros, if you eliminate the music and everything, we're about as good as any. I feel like. There's not really a lot of great ways to start these things. No. Atticus, shut the hell up. He's going to be a problem today. I'm just going to tell you right now the podcast people. I'm sorry. You're going to hear barking. Because he's a problem today. But, okay. So, let's get to it. Who do we want? We're starting off with the biggest fight of the weekend. It might literally be the biggest It is literally the biggest fight of the weekend. Because you got two fat guys. (laughs) Gonna throw down. we got Andy Ruiz. Who's looking, he's a trim fat guy, still fat guy, but like that in-shape fat guy has been playing basketball a lot all summer. That guy, he's that guy. Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola, who's was the classic fat guy. He was the original fat guy, fat Mexican guy, fight for the title. And he's going to fight the new age fat Mexican guy, going to fight for the title. Which might be the birthplace of a future generation of fat Mexican guys fighting for the title. But here we go. Because Mexicans are not naturally big enough to be heavyweights. I mean, you're pretty big. Yeah, but I'm not a heavyweight. Yeah, well, I'm heavyweight now, right? But not like a healthy one, right? <laughs> and what I'm saying is like, it's just there is not a lot of Mexicans that are meant to be 6'3", 250 pounds. Oh. So usually when we get there, we look, little, we look a little heavy. We look a little on the heavier side. There's a lot of a little extra of us. Thick. We're thick. We're thick. So this is what this is. These are two thick guys. But Andy Ruiz was once the heavyweight champion of the world. This gets us stats before I get, because I could get going on this.
1: Wait, hold on. Okay, well, okay. All right, so Andy Ruiz, he is from Imperial, California. He's 6'2, heavyweight age. He has an unfortunate birthday, September 11th. Uh, he's 31, his reach is 74. Wins thirty three, two losses, twenty two knockouts, and a total of thirty five fights. Miscellaneous stuff. His nickname is Destroyer. He's Mexican American, Orthodox. Into wait, it says that he in two thousand nineteen he bit beat bit. <laughs> he didn't bite anyone. He, not Mike Tyson. Um, he beat Anthony Joshua.
0: Yeah, he did. He was a heavyweight champ of the world.
1: Oh, okay. And so then he lost the title to this guy? Anthony Ariel? Joshua. No, he lost to Anthony uh, Joshua. Oh, uh, okay. That was confusing. And his first fight was actually at seven years old.
0: <laughs> what do you mean? Like, like Yeah, like his, amateur? his, like, yeah, like oh, okay, his first fight okay, okay. was at seven
1: years old. It was, I was laughing. I thought that was hilarious. I think it's pretty common. It's, okay. All right. Well, that's not on everyone's <laughs> bio, so. <laughs> do you want me just to read Chris? Yeah, read Chris okay. Areola. Okay. okay. And Chris Ariola. He's from East Los. Uh For those of you that don't know, that's East L.A. Uh, he's 6'3", heavyweight. He's 40 years old.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. S- reaches 76, wins 38, 6 losses, 33 knockouts, and 47 total fights. His nickname is The Nightmare. So, The Nightmare and The Destroyer are going to be boxing. He's also orthodox. And I'm going to give the microphone back to Ezra because he keeps trying to pull it from me. So yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't keep he trying to pull it. I was just preparing for the, the handoff. Because uh-huh, uh-huh. we were working it with one mic here. One iPhone, basically. Not basically. It is one iPhone. We're working one iPhone you here.
1: You have two microphones over there that you don't use. You
0: yeah, have to speak up when you say it. But that's yes. Exactly my point. <laughs> yeah, have no, two microphones But I over don't there, know how to set it up to the iPhone or to the computer. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. But mm-hmm. we'll get it figured out. But let's speak on this, right? Andrew Ruiz versus Chris Ariola. A little bit of a controversy, right, of this fight. And what that is, because it's pay-per-view. And...
1: Wait, why is that a controversy?
0: Because it's a pretty big mismatch on paper. And Chris Ariola is coming off a loss in this fight. Andrew Ruiz is coming off a loss. So, the fact like that it's pay-per-view... view that you're
1: paying for? Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. You could have just said that.
0: No, but, you're not, but they're not losers, though. Well, Chris Ariola... It's been more recently a loser. Not yeah, a he's loser 40 years as a he's losing fights, but okay, but let me get to it. Let me tell you why this fight is worth your money, right? Because we have to, there has to be a market, right? And I think that maybe this is the whole Jake Paul thing again, right? For uh, fun. There we go. Just a market for fun fights. Is there a market for fun fights? There has to be. And this is a fun fight. And it's a fun card. Like I scouted the whole card. I'm gonna break it down for you every fight that's on the card. It's a fun night of fighting, and this is a guaranteed entertaining fight. Whether it lasts one round or 10 rounds or 12 rounds, it's guaranteed entertaining action fight. It just is, because their styles are perfect for each other. Andrew Ruiz is an inside fighter, right? Wants to get in let go combos. Areola is an inside fighter so wants to get in let go combos. Andrew Ruiz's biggest problem is finding a way inside well you, know Andrew, well, you know what Chris O'Reilly likes to do? He likes to f- find his way inside. Two guys are willing to go on the inside and trade punches. However long that lasts, that is a combination of a fun fight. If you're willing, right, If we they, we know there's an audience right there for the UFC. And those fights end in the first round, right? Guy lands, it's over first round, everybody's satisfied. There has to be an audience like that for boxing. And this is that fight where it can end at any moment. It could be a slugfest. It could be a war. For however long it goes, it's going to be entertaining. That's what this fight is. Now, let's get to what's going to actually break down in the fight. Now, Andrew Ruiz going in here, he's lost a lot of weight. He has a new trainer, Eddie Renoso, who's Canelo's trainer. He's highly motivated, highly dedicated to his craft. And that's what everybody wanted to see what that would look like, right? Because I think he beat Anthony Joshua not 100% dedicated to his craft. Even when he beat him, I don't think he was 100% dedicated. He didn't look like this. And another thing is, he didn't commit to the leg work, right? Or maybe he didn't have the trainer that could teach him the leg work to work his way inside. That would have been more effective against Anthony Joshua. Remember, when he beat Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua gave up the ground. He made the mistakes. Andrew Ruiz never gained that ground. So let's see if he has any new weapons going into this fight. It's a, that's all That in its lonesome is exciting. Now, we're also going to see if Andrew Ruiz is, is, still has star power. Is Andy Ruiz gonna sell pay-per-views? Because that's this pay-per-view is all on his back. Is he gonna sell pay-per-views against Chris Arola, a guy he should beat? Now, what happens if he does beat Chris Arola? Well, this is the you know, this is leading down to the match of the sees that I saw a long time ago, and it's him and Dante Wilder. But he has to look impressive. He has to look like the Andy Ruiz who beat Anthony Joshua, and this is the right opponent to do that. Chris Areola coming off a loss but now with Goosen looking to uh looking to get one more run at it a win versus Andrew Ruiz would really you know kind of make him he was one step away from being like a Mexican legend right like a Mexican heavyweight Andrew Ruiz kind of took everything he worked for kind of like the Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor thing. Like you're taking everything I work for. That's what Chris Ruiz. That's what Andrew Ruiz did. Chris Ariola. Everything that Chris was should have been or wanted to be, Andrew Ruiz is that. And it only makes sense that they fight each other. Now, is it a little too late for Chris Areola? Probably, but not too much is diminished from what he already has done. Like from what Chris Ariola does, it's kind of the same thing. It's not like he's like he's way slower. You know what I mean? His uh, his legs are way worse, or it's none of that. It's kind of going to be the same with Chris Ola we always had, and they're going to go at each other. And Andy Ruiz is just going to be faster to the punch, and Chris Ola is going to land big shots, and they're both going to get good shots off. But Andy Ruiz's shots are going to start mattering more, and it could end the night quickly as soon as he lands a good combo and he lands a big left hook, and this fight could be over. But until we get to that point, right? There's gonna it's gonna be edge of your seat fight. And I think that there has to be a market for fun fights, so I'm looking forward to this. Now I predict the Ruiz is going to work his best off counterpunching because that's what he is. He's a counterpuncher, and Ariel's going to give him plenty of opportunities to counterpunch. And Ariel's defense falls off; defense falls apart while his offense is flowing, and he's open right down the middle, and he falls off balance, and he doesn't fight like from range. Even though that he could punch from range, even though that his right hand is like a bow a bow and arrow and he could strike down from range, he doesn't usually do that. He falls in. He tries to work from where he's when he's putting pressure on you. Well, Andy Ruiz is gonna count uh capitalize on those counterattacks that are open for him. And he will get a, he will hurt Ariel and he will get a stoppage. And he will look impressive and he will build up the next fight, who will probably be the Hellenus uh Kanaki winner. There's a there is a place here for Andy Ruiz to march his way back to a legitimate shot at being one of the best fighters at heavyweight. There's a route here, and he may never get it again. This might be his last chance. And we have to see, if he takes it this serious, what does he look like? Does he bring something new to the table? The next fight on the card, the co-main event, I believe, is Omar Figueroa versus Abel Ramos. You gotta, grab it. <laughs> I'm you gotta
1: grab it. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay, so uh, aside from that very awkward Mike Handoff, Omar Figueroa. He's five seven and a half. I love how he threw the half in there.
0: Mm-hmm. You get uh, yeah,
1: every little inch or half inch, I should say. <laughs> Lightweight. He is 31. Reaches 73. Wins is 28. One loss. 19 knockouts 30 total fights uh he's orthodox and he's from texas
0: mm-hmm. he actually went to texas state no he went to uh, what's texas state what's the other one? Oh uh texas tech university okay mm-hmm. how'd you know that i follow Mar girl's career
1: hmm. interesting <laughs> why what did he study I have not yet. Oh, God, that's oh. pointless, then. I don't
0: know.
1: Why did you tell us? Actually, okay, so then Abel Ramos almost has no stats. It's really hard to find anything about okay. him. Uh, so, anyways, he's from Arizona, 5'9", 29, reaches 69, and he's orthodox.
0: Okay, I think you gave one of the most important stats on there, and it said that Figueroa was a lightweight. But is not fighting a lightweight in this fight. He's fighting at 147. But it's important that it states to figure out the a lightweight because that is accurate. So there's a thing in boxing here, right, where guys get lazy.
1: They want more titles or they just don't want to lose the weight?
0: They don't want to lose the weight. Mm. That's the problem. Guys don't want to lose the weight. Why don't you, you want to lose the weight? Because that's hard. It's hard to train, get better, and lose weight. But you know what usually that, that means when you're losing the weight is that you're at your absolute best because you're going to be in your best shape. And it had a hard work to get there. It's a different mindset. And also, the what's the advantage to Figaro always had was he was bigger than everyone. And his power mattered at those weights. Now at 147, his power doesn't matter. It's not even I would say that he was is not even really considered a hard hitting guy at 147.
1: But at 47, isn't that the weight that you normally walk around at? So isn't that like his normal
0: weight? Yeah, I would say it's a comfortable weight to walk around in. But that means it takes away the advantage because the guy he's fighting doesn't walk around at that weight. The guy he's fighting is cutting to that weight. And it's going to come in the ring heavier, like probably 154 to 160. So he's coming in as a smaller man. Also with that is Figueroa has bad hands. So he's lost his power. Also, Figueroa, last fight, didn't have a trainer. He just kind of trained himself. He's had some problems outside the ring. All these things, right, which seems like it could be a competitive fight. It should be an entertaining fight, and it will be, right? Yeah,
1: how does that work when people don't have trainers, though? he puts, do that well
0: right no it doesn't do well at all because no one's there to push you and no one's there to tell you that this doesn't work or no one's there to give you harsh truth and some guys have trainers and they're just yes men, and they're just like there's no trainers but, he, but omar really didn't have a trainer and now supposedly he's in camp and i think he's in there with i want to say joel diaz um and i think he's he's putting it, he's putting in that work and he says he's never felt better than have been healthier and i hope that's the case and Abel Ramos is a guy that's came up short on every big opportunity he's had. But he's been competitive in every fight he's been in. He's never been, like, to me, even the You Guys fight, like, where he hurt You Guys a few times, it was competitive. It was a competitive fight. Abel Ramos is in there. He's big, he's big for that weight. He's got some pop. He's got skills. He can box. He can fight from a distance. And Omar Figueroa doesn't really, he's kind of just dependent. He was dependent on his size, kind of like Chavez Jr., Depending on his size mm-hmm. and being bigger than everyone. But now he doesn't have that. So now Omar Figueroa doesn't really have skill, kind of portable defense, kind of loses his upper body with his lower legs, kind of uh, doesn't have precise attack, kind of just puts pressure on you. He doesn't create openings. Or he doesn't fight to, from a distance to have openings. No, he puts pressure on you and he tries to sneak shots in for being close on you. Which is an interesting technique and not much, not many people can do. But he can do. He He's alright with it. But he puts himself in so many bad positions. And it's just that Abel Ramos can really pop. And if you put yourself in a bad position with a guy that can pop, it's going to end up bad for you. Abel Ramos is going to catch him in this fight. Now, will it be entertaining until we get to that point? Will it be back and forth till we get to that point? Yes, because... PBC is trying a new method of just putting great matchups together. Maybe not fights that are legitimately for a title or not even legitimate contenders for a title, but they are just good matchups. And I think that we got away from that for a little bit of just good matchups, good, even matchups. That's what this this night is. It's good, even matchups. And this is a good, even matchup. But Ramos will prevail because he's going to land the cleaner shots. And Omar Figueroa puts himself in worse positions. You're laughing. Why are you laughing?
1: Uh, no, it's nothing. It's, no, it's cool. I just thought of something really funny. But it has nothing to do with this. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> so, okay. I just thought you laughed. I thought I said something stupid.
1: No. I mean, you do normally say something stupid.
0: It's but... pretty common. That's why I thought you had something good. Okay, well, but...
1: Damn.
0: <laughs> so, I have Figueroa winning... The, I have... I'm sorry. Abel Ramos winning this fight by stoppage. Now, the counter would be that Ramos loses himself to the pressure. He breaks... Figueroa takes uh, control of this fight, and Ramos has to look for a late-round stoppage to get the the win. And Figueroa walks away with a decision. I don't know if Figueroa has the power to hurt Ramos. I don't think he does. I don't think he has that kind of power anymore. Um, But I expect Ramos to land big when Figueroa gets off balance with his upper body and to win this fight and get another shot at a decent contender. Next fight on the card is Sebastian Fondora. Versus Jorge Cota.
1: Okay, so Sebastian Fandora. Fund- yes, Fundora. he is from Coachella, California. He's six six. His weight is one fifty three. He's twenty three. His reach is eighty. Wins sixteen zero losses and eleven knockouts. Uh, I didn't grab a total on his fights. My bad. Oh, yeah. He's Orthodox. And he's fighting George Cota, Uh, who is from Sinaloa, Mexico. He's six foot. Light middleweight is the only weight I got for him. Mm -hmm. He's 33. His reach is 74. 30 wins, 27 knockouts, total of 34 fights, four losses. And he's also
0: orthodox. Fundora has three things about him right three things if you if you fought an opponent and they had one of them it'd be a problem right he has the height advantage and not just a little bit of height advantage he's 6'6 at 147 pounds i'm sorry 154 pounds okay he's also a southpaw right so if you went in there and you fought a guy and they said oh he's way taller than you that's a problem and you want to fight a guy and they say he's a southpaw that's already an issue Right? And then they say, oh, this guy puts nothing but pressure on you. Those are three things that you hope to face by themselves. He brings all that to the table. He is a rare unicorn of a boxer. He has all the makings to be a star, but an absolute force at the weight just because of everything he's bringing to the table. He can also fight at a distance. He's getting better at fighting at a distance. You would think he would have that first fighting at a distance, but no, he develop that later because his whole style is really putting pressure on you he's getting more controlled and the thing is he's getting more comfortable in his body which is long in his body he's finally growing into his body now jorge Coulta, when i whenever i see jorge Coulta on a thing i automatically think he's gonna get destroyed right but then i you scout him out and there's stuff that he could do that's that's not bad he's given guy good guys tough fights he's very awkward right and i hate when people use that because i think it's just like an easy way of disregarding someone and saying, like, well, the reason they're effective is because they're awkward. And it's not really capitalizing on what he does. But he is a little bit. He is awkward. He has a very wide stance. All his shots are looping. He loops all his shots.
1: Sebastian?
0: Uh, no, uh, Cota. Oh. And Cota brings pressure. He's going to take shots right in the face. He does not, like, try to block. He just takes them right in the chin. But
1: don't you think he's going to uh, have a hard time because Sebastian is 6'6"?
0: So I think this might benefit him. Only because of his style right is that sebastian likes to go on the inside he's not going to be it's not going to be hard to make sebastian fight on the inside and because of colta's awkward style where he punches from wide and his arms he punches like if you know when you leave a water hose on and he starts just like slapping everywhere that's how colta fights with his punches and because Fondora is so tall he never goes under punches so when a guy's loops punches like that you usually your instinct and what they train you to do is to go under him well, Fandora's not going to have that option to go under these shots. So he might get hit a few times in this fight. Just because he's there to be hit and his height, it might actually work against him in this fight. But what do I expect from Fandora? I expect Fandora to fight from a distance. I expect it to be his most complete boxing performance so far. I expect him to get a stoppage. But I do want to see if they get on the inside how interesting that is and what kind of shots Koda takes until he, uh, until he uh, can no longer go anymore. Fandora... This has to be the fight before Fondoro gets some of the legit guys at 154. Because there's legit guys at 154. There's a whole, you can uh, close your eyes, throw a dart, and you will land a solid guy at 154. This is, to me, as cold as the one guy before you get to those guys. He's awkward, though. Like, the awkwardness of it is usually how guys get upset. I think of Vernon Forrest versus Mayorga. Like, Vernon Forrest is on the brink of stardom. And he fights Ricardo Mayorga, a guy that smokes a cigar in the ring. Uh, the legend is he knocks out a horse, right? He goes in there, awkward style, fights a little bit like Coda, and he completely sleeps Vernon Forrest. Completely sleeps him. This is the, this is the threat that Fondora has to do. And he can't take this fight lightly because he's on the brink of it. And Coda is on his way out. He's, he's, he's hoping for more paydays. That's what he's fighting for. I expect Sebastian to win in his most complete performance. I expect I expect him to get a stoppage, uh, around the fifth round, sixth round. But let's just see if the looping shots make it hard for him with his height, not to be able to go under him and the pressure. And let's see if he maybe possibly gets hurt and we have to get a, a fight where Fondora survives and comes back and we get a. All these fights on this card have the makings of what could be a war, right? Every that and that's you couldn't ask for more. You can't ask for more on that, so I'm really excited about this fight card. Even though people don't want to pay for it and they're being cheap, I think people, a lot of people, are going to pay for it. I think Andy Reese somehow draws the attention of people, for whatever reason. The next card, right? So we go into a, the uh, Chisora Parker card. Uh, I'm not going to talk about all the fights on the card, right? I'm not going to talk about beevil which he should win, right? The reason why he should win is because the opponent he's fighting. Does not have many dimensions. He's a straight up fighter, and Bivol has many dimensions, and he kind of fights s- similar way to that guy, but just way more dimensions to it. So Bivol should win. He should get the stoppage. Uh, Eubanks. I didn't see who he's fighting, but it's he's a pr- he's a big pretty big old uh, uh, he's a pretty big uh, favorite in that fight. But let's talk about the fight that kind of the fight interests me most on this card: Katie Taylor versus Natasha Jonas.
1: Oh, (laughs) whoops. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) So Katie Taylor, she's Irish. She's 5'5", lightweight. She is 34. Reach is 65, wins 17, zero losses, six knockouts for a total of 17 fights. Her nickname, simply the best. (laughs) simply the best (laughs) she's orthodox and fighting Natasha Jonas who's British 5'8 she's 36 130 pounds I couldn't find her reach her stats weren't complete but anyway she's 9 wins 1 loss 7 knockouts for a total of 11 fights she's
0: Okay, technical difficulties Right. I had to do this part over. Cause Attic flipped out. He's still flipping out right now. As we speak, he is flipping out. But that's all right. I had to get back to this today. Got back to it. Had to regroup. Now I'm back to it. Right. We got we're talking Katie Taylor, Natasha Jonas. Probably the most interesting fight in the card. I think Katie Taylor, uh probably one of the more most talented women in fighting. Her Clarissa Shields. So like the uh that's the debate right there. Probably not in the way where they could fight each other. Definitely not in the way they could fight each other, but they can compete against each other, and the way they're going to do that is by fighting opponents and how effective and dominant they are against these fights. And Natasha Jonas is, um, she's there because KT doesn't have a lot of opponents to fight. Natasha Jonas is a uh, was a, a Olympian standout, right, Olympic standout, amateur standout. Uh, it got off to a little rough patch in her career, right, but is now... Hitting a good a, a good stride, and she just had probably the you know to me the woman's fight of the year, and definitely the number number two fight of the year last year versus Terry Harper. And it's a it's a style that you know she's she's fighting a heavier person than Kay Taylor than the weight that she's been fighting in. But because of the performance she had, and because K Taylor doesn't have a lot of opponents to fight, this fight makes sense. Kate Taylor is you know she fights like she's sprinting. Her attacks are like a sprint. She's very technical. Uh, she's light in her feet. She's bouncing in and out. And she she's, has more physical abilities usually than her opponent. Now, Natasha Jonas is... She has physical abilities. She's not as fast as Kay Taylor. But she's 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 sneaky. She's technical. She can uh, hunt you down. She has a solid uh, straight left. Um She 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 puts a straight left to the bod to the head. She's a good fighter. She's a good fighter. She technically a good fighter. Now, does she have the physical... Like, she's not as fast as Kay Taylor. No. Kay Taylor's going to win on this fight just on combinations alone. But... Is Natasha Jonas smart enough to set up the shots in between? Yes, she is. And the same thing she did with Terry Harper, where she put the pressure on Terry Harper, but she also added dimensions of jumping in, pulling out what she usually does. She jumps in and hits you with a shot. She pulls out slightly. Not all the way, just slightly. So where you're missing, and she has another opening for her shot. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun matchup. It's a matchup that I want to see how it plays out. Uh, Kate Taylor has good power, good speed, and she just really... These are the fights, you know, that are going to draw people's attention into the fight game. And it's a big fight to me in England in Europe. But it's just going to depend on, you know, the performances given, right? I think the women's boxing is, is on its way up. It just needs more talent. And it needs more of these kind of matchups. And that's what Kate Taylor was talking about. She says more of the people like the, the people, these two fight each other. More people with big names fight each other. And they don't just eliminate weak competition. The bigger this, this boxing will get for women women's fighting and it's not nowhere close to a big amazed women's fighting this but that's the correct way to do it is the way they do it they all fight each other and that's where you you don't have the same depth of you know of uh talent as the men's division but if you're fighting the best and constantly fighting the best you can watch the same fight you know numerous times because they're so good and like you got mccaskill who lost to Katie taylor and never won a, uh you know never won that big fight and then she beats Barracas and now she's Considered a threat to Kay Taylor. Now she's known, and now she's, even though they fought already and Kay Taylor won, it's still look at an interesting fight. That's just what happens. As long as you have the people that are winning fighting each other, it, it, you can't go wrong. Now I think Kay Taylor's gonna win this fight, like I said, because she throws better combinations. She's faster. She's faster on her feet. And I think that Jones is gonna land it, shots in between her shots, but I think Kay Taylor will just have too many shots landed. She's gonna win a decision on this fight. It's gonna, I think it's gonna be a very smart, technical fight competitive fight that k taylor clearly wins on the scorecards uh the counter is that like i said jonas picks her shots she lands in between k taylor k taylor does come in like a sprint she does lose her defense coming in she might get caught in between with a big um left hand from jonas and let's see if jonas pressure you know i mean throws off k Taylor's sprints you know she likes to sprint you put pressure on there she can't ever get going forward because she's always going backwards going to the next fight on the card like i said this card it's all right it's a whatever card. It, it, it's there's big names on the card, but not necessarily like the best fights. Kind of like an old Don King card, honestly. Where Don King just threw a bunch of names out there, threw heavyweights in there, and just kind of hope that you would, you know, be in awe of it. And what we've got here is Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker. And Parker is, because of what he lacks technically, right, he kind of is in boring fights a lot. Because he can, doesn't have the skill to put his shots on someone. But he also kind of fights the level of his competition, and if it's, the competition is better, and the competition is better distance themselves, it kind of allows him to do good things, like he did against Anthony Joshua, like he did against White, Dylan White now, he lost both those fights but he was in them, he was competitive in them, and Chisora who's an entertaining style to watch, right, because he's always trying to put pressure he's a character, he has a, a, a real interesting style, it's like somehow like it's visually nice to see right even though it's like a clubbing fighter everything it's kind of like if it's out of like a movie if you like made like a big giant guy a, bo- a, fo- a boxer in a movie this is how you kind of think he would fight and Chisora is I think somehow brought in here to be the opponent right because he's been the opponent that's kind of like what he's turned into but I, I think that they you know I think Joseph Parker might have been a bit off more than he could chew right because Joseph Parker does good when someone allows the space for him to use his athleticism because that's really what he relies on his athleticism his speed and his pop, but Chisora takes that away, He doesn't. he's not going to fight a technical fight, he's going to put the pressure on him, and Joseph Parker is always in fights where he's getting held, because he overshoots his punches, he doesn't have the technical skill to keep the distance, so Chisora's going to get in on him, he's going to smother him, he's going to work on the inside, and Joseph Parker's going to get off two shots, and then be smothered, so I expect Chisora to be actually pretty damn effective in this fight, and I think that there will be spots where Parker lands a big shot going in, but then Chisora lands five as they're in, and they're holding, and he's and Chisora's working while they're holding, and Parker's not. I think Chisora could rough him up in this fight. I think he could push him back, move him around, throw him around, and I think I'm going to pick Chisora uh, on the upset in this fight to win this fight uh, by decision. I'm going to pick him. I think that Joseph Parker, sure, he's going to land maybe the, the more highlight shots, right, from far away. The, the, with the sweat flying and everything like that, but Chisora's going to work on the inside. And once again, the inside, where this fight will be at a lot, It has to chance to be a very sloppy inside fight. I think Chisora's just going to outwork him on the inside. Um, I, that's what I expect for this fight. It's actually a decent matchup. Like, it really is. It's a decent matchup. And if Parker wins, he can go after a guy like Dylan White. He go after, you know, uh, Joe Joyce. It, it puts him up there with those guys. And if Chisora wins, it's kind of like, you know, I think Chisora's like... I'll take one if it's there. If it's not, then I, you know, I'll. I'm all right wrapping it up. But I expect him. He always show, kind of shows up. Will he wear down late? Probably, right. But Joseph Parker's not like exactly, you know, uh, consistent ever in a, in a fight. And the first round, or the last round, he's never really consistent. So that that might not even matter in this fight. Now let's go to. Oh God, okay, let's go to the MMA fight: Dominic Reyes versus Jiri pro Prozaka, I'm imagining, and uh, Dominic Reyes, right, known for giving, you know, to me, beating John Jones, but a close fight with John Jones, that's what put him on the map, athletic, 205-er, right, Uh, you see him, you see his size, and everything like that, and you think, you know, I'm sure every trainer sees him and says, like, oh, you could do something with this guy, and then you have uh, Jerry, Pro, Pro, I'm just going to call him Jerry, you know what I mean, I don't know how to pronounce that last name, it's a The last names are brutal. I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm going to need a nickname. But Jerry, right, he's got the look of, like, if you, like, I was watching him, right, he's he's a talented fighter. But he's kind of like if an actor became a fighter and, like, he developed, like, a cool character with it. Like, that's kind of like what he is. And he does a lot of stuff that's a lot of nonsense. And he has the look. He probably has the talk. I'm sure the way he talks and everything like that is really cool. And it looks like, oh, man, this guy... Is something different and i don't i don't think it's something different honestly i think it's uh i think it's a lot of nonsense you got to get past right the hair the style the everything he's off balance on his defense like when he falls back he's hittable first of all he's extremely hittable and he's always off balance and if you have power and you land decent with him off balance and him falling over back and putting his head in weird spots you're gonna knock him out now is his offense good somewhat he could punch off balance I give him that. He has a, a decent jab. It's pretty hard. He he really sticks it in there. um His kicks come from the same. He don't have to change his stance much or do much motion to get a kick from a punch. So he kind of mixes that up. Like that's kind of confusing when you're in front of him. But I think Dominic Reyes is just going to move around because Dominic Reyes is pretty good at moving. He's pretty good at moving, and also he's southpaw. So the things that Jerry worked when you're standing right in front of him might not work as southpaw because the distance is going to be a little bit different. I think Dama Reyes, just the more disciplined, the more technical fighter, is going to win this fight. Now, saying that Dama Reyes got knocked out by um, Jan, right, and that because Jan's a little bit unconventional, but I just think that Juri has too many mistakes defensively. I think Jan's a little bit better defensively than Jury is. And I get the hype on Jury. I get like what it looked like when he fights good, but he gets hit a lot. He's out of position. Uh, I think a lot of the offense he grabs, he does like a lot of ticks that aren't good. I think that I think he would be hit when he does it. And if you start reading them, I just, I'm, I, I'm not buying into the hype on um, this guy. And I'm going to pick Dominic Reyes because I'm going to pick some more technical fighter in this type of fight. So let's get to it. Let's get to what we're all here for, right? Fake money, real bets. I'm going to run. I'm at 1.2 million, right? I went for 1 million. I dropped all the way down to three. Now I'm back at 1.2. 1.2 17 grand right one one point uh one million two hundred seventeen grand now this week what I've been doing and th- this is the thing I'm not trying to spread my money out too thin right or not trying to spread around all these other bets I'm gonna go what I feel really confident in taylor over Jonas 500 k six600 now listen if you put five hundred dollars you win eighty three dollars right eighty three dollars is a good amount of money it, 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 anytime you say like this is almost a free eighty three dollars you should take it. 500k, right? For me, 500 bucks for you, 83, dollars 83k for me, minus 600. I'm gonna take Taylor over Jonas. She's bigger, she's faster, she's stronger, and she's more technical. She could do more things. That, to me, that's you know that's an easy pick. Fundora over Coda. I like I like Fundora a lot. I think he's can do all the things that you want someone to do. He's Southpaw. He's tall, extremely tall. He puts pressure on you, and he's long. He's not going to lose the coda. Coda is tough. He's, you know, durable. He's going to put pressure. He's there to be a highlight reel for Fandora to take him to the next spot with a lot of eyes on him on a pay-per-view. I'm going to put 500k minus 1000 for Fandora. That's 50k. Now, 500 dollars wins you 50 bucks. I still take that. I think that's still good. I think that's still a good deal. So, yeah, 550 bucks free 50. This is how you do it. You gotta do. The thing is that people they scare people off because you don't want to put big money to risking big money for a little bit of money. That's what they're doing, right? You're risking that. That's why they scare you off. But to me, I'm like they're actually giving you free money. You just gotta put more a a big deposit down to get it. Abel Ramos over Figueroa. This is the closest one I'm betting on. Right, hundred k minus one sixty for Abel Ramos over Fig to win sixty three k. Abel Ramos. He's a more complete fighter. He's a bigger fighter. He's a hard-hitting fighter. And Figueroa is going to come at him with bad defense. I can't see this fight going another way. Abraham's going to land big. He's going to stop him. He's going to stop him at one point. He's going to land too much shots. Figueroa makes too many defensive mistakes. And he comes at you. You don't even have to find him. So, the 63K, minus 160. That's the closest uh, odds I'm going to take this week. This week, And then, I've got a parlay. i got Taylor, Chisora, Fondora, Ruiz, Ramos, Reyes. That is 17k I'm betting at plus uh, 1,033 odds To win 176k Once again, that is Taylor, Katie Taylor Derek Tresora Fondora Andy Ruiz Abel Ramos and Dominic Reyes in the UFC That is the win That's 17k at plus 1,033 To win 176k I feel good about these bets I feel really good about these bets and uh, let's see where I'm at next week. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry for the technical difficulties. And I'm glad to get this one done.